joke. You gotta know when I'm joking. <laughs> I feel like it wasn't a joke. It was. <laughs> <laughs> okay, welcome everyone to the All Heart Podcast. My name is Noni Lamar, and Thea Monier is taking a little break this week, and we have a guest, my mom. <laughs> <laughs> All those who are listening, this is my mother, Val Lamar Jansen. Go ahead, Mom. Val Lamar. <laughs> Rhymes with buy a car. V-A-L-L-I-M-A-R. Val Lamar. <laughs> so I have like this constant joke about, you know, doing my mom's voice because she has the best radio voice of all time. Val Lamar. <laughs> well, is your your voice a little deeper today? It's deeper today. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You're in that that lower register in yeah. the in the yeah. depths of the yeah. self. Sultry. <laughs> <laughs> you came to be sexy on the All Heart podcast. Hey, I didn't say sexy. I said sultry. <laughs> <laughs> okay, <So> sexy mom. <laughs> so I call my mom Ia. I started calling my mom Ia when I had my first child. And I asked her what she wanted to be called. She didn't, she's not really like a nana. She's not really a granny. So she said she wanted to be called Ia, which means mother in Europa. So Ia, do you want to introduce yourself? Tell everybody a little bit about who you are? Because besides being my mom, she's like this extremely accomplished human being. So a human being, (laughs) the first qualifications were heart to heart. And, um, I'm an inspirational speaker, recording artist, author, and composer, and I was a university professor for eight years and started on a speaker circuit while a university professor, and that kind of took off, so I had a a rocket ship of (laughs) taking me to a new place of being um, a person who travels and does... uh, between 50 and 90 events a year, traveling around the world, inspiring people to live a life of passion. Yes, for Jesus. <laughs> now, see, I didn't say JC. <laughs> a lot of times I don't, I don't uh, emphasize that as much because it, I know that can divide us. So when I'm in interfaith situations, I just talk about God because, or... Source. Source, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay, source, (laughs) source. So today we wanted to sit and talk with you. As y'all know, Thea has been on a whirlwind doing sex therapy training. And while she was doing that, I had wanted my mom to be the guest um, while she was away at training. And then we we actually lost my, my grandmother, my mother's mother. And so we had planned to record that week. That we lost her. So we decided to just keep it, keep the plan anyway. And we wanted to, to share that with you all. And yeah, it's been a great week, two weeks of being with family all the time. Mm-hmm. Always being together. It's been a really beautiful time of reconnecting with one another. My mom and I actually work with my mom and her inspirational non-JC business. <laughs> it is so JC too. Let's keep it real. It is JC. It is JC. Depending on the situation. Depending on. So I, I work with my mom and it's my pleasure to 
just kind of help manage what she's doing and her career. I've been doing that for like eight years almost, yeah. maybe. Yeah. And just working together. We have a really good time. I'm her the only child that she brought through her womb to the earth. Mm-hmm. And we've always been, you know, the two of us. And there's sometimes when people add it on, but it's always been the two of us. And so we have really great conversations all the time and we we're just really connected, you know, on many different levels. We work we work as one bank account sometimes. We work as <laughs> one business sometimes. We work as family. We work as friends. So I thought this would be really great. So we're going to start with our heart to heart. And why don't you tell us, Ia, what is on your heart today? News break. That's what's on my heart. I took a news break. Um, anyone who knows me knows that I can be really obsessive about following current events in our country as well as current events in the world. And with my mother going into the light this last couple of weeks, I just decided to take a break. And when I came back to it, I realized the world just keeps right on turning. <laughs> Whether I listen to what's happening in the world or not, the world is going to do what it does. So the most important thing in my life, this is what I discovered, and this is what's really on my heart right now is Whatever your focus is, the thing that you put your most focus and passion into is the most important thing Mm. in that moment. And how I processed my mother's uh, passing was the is, still is, the most important thing to me right now. So when I put all of my focus and passion into that and making sure to, to help her in any way that I can as she passes over... That became the most important thing. So news was like, what? Who cares? Who? Uh, 45, what? Mm-hmm. You know, so it became something that wasn't that important. And 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 having family process the, the passing of uh, who I consider our queen mother, you know, it was the most important thing. So news break and... Nothing changed when I turned it back on. Same stuff happening. Same same bad channel, same bad place, you know. So it was nothing different. And that's interesting because mom really loved the news. Yes. She would. She never missed a day. Mm-mm. You know, she never missed a day of the news. The night before she passed, I called her and she was asleep before the news. That's why I said, are you okay? <laughs> you went to sleep. It's 9 o'clock. News cut off at 10, 11. Mm-hmm. Usually go to sleep after the news. So... You know, I haven't watched the news in years. Like, I just re- read Twitter hide, like headlines mm-hmm. or the news that needs to get to me gets to me oh, in yeah. some way. It will get to you. So anything other than that, like, I'm not really, I mean, it's been great. <laughs> <laughs> you know, to me, it's different. Like, if the news told a story of, like, upliftment or something like that. And I, I believe what you said, like, what you focus on. That's what you're going to be kind of experiencing more of in your life. So the focus on all of the, dis- the destruction, that's actually was the big impetus for us starting this is the news cycle. Mm. And I saw that the news cycle was constantly affecting people in such a negative way that I wanted to create another form of media, another form of content that was more uplifting, that was a healing balm, like kind of a, a healing circle, but via podcast, you yeah. know? Mm-hmm. Reminds me of this movie I love. What? Tomorrowland. What's that? There was a movie in 
think it was starring George Clooney. I don't know the other actors, but I liked it because it it emphasized or the whole okay. This is gonna be a spoiler. Okay, it's okay. It sounds like <laughs> an old spoiler movie. Alert. It's old movie, so yeah. I think it. you haven't seen it. That's your bad. <laughs> I know. Okay, Tomorrowland. Tomorrowland, and it was it brought into question: Do we are we creating the news cycle with our focus? Hmm. You know, and that I love that question that we were as a civilization caught in the loop where we're watching the news. And, and we're creating the news by watching the news. Really? Yeah. So we were caught in this like feedback loop. That's where, interesting. Where mentally and psychologically and with our own power of creation of the, the human mind to create, we're actually creating these horrible world events by focusing on horrible world events. Mm. So it was a really interesting movie. And I, if you haven't seen it. Pop some popcorn, do old school, <laughs> sit and watch Tomorrowland. <laughs> so what's been on, on my heart is actually something scientific. You, you all know by now that I am a big nutrition junkie. And I listened to this episode of Goop, I believe, last week or some. All the days are blending together. But recently, I listened to this episode of Goop and it was talking about the microbiome. And the effects of glyphosate on the microbiome. Do you know what the microbiome or glyphosate is, Mom? No. <laughs> I'm scared. <laughs> it sounds really, really scary. I am not scared. I, I never use the word scared after the words I am. So okay. I am intrigued. You're intrigued about it. Okay, so the microbiome, like all of the, the, the things that live in your gut... The microbiome, all of the the world within your gut is the microbiome, and glyphosate is a um, it's a it's a poison. It's a something that you spray on plants. It's a weed killer. Um, you know, Roundup has glyphosate in it, and so this guy was talking about. I'm I'm gonna definitely post a link to this episode in the comments. Like, if you listen to one other other um, podcasts, I would listen to that. I mean, I know it's Goop and it's Gwyneth Paltrow. I mean, I love Gwyneth. Not everybody does. So, you know, just get past that part that you're listening to a Gwyneth Paltrow thing if you're not into her. But if Gwyneth is listening, I love you, boo. But, you know, I really feel like this episode really kind of made all of these synapses connect for me about health and wellness and nutrition and soil. And basically it's talking about how we started in the late nineties or mid nineties to use Roundup. Do you remember when folks started using oh, yeah. Roundup at home? Mm -hmm. They started using Roundup at as a home weed killer. as a weed killer. But what that weed killer did was get into our air and get into our water and they basically have charted like the um, increase in diseases of autoimmunity and cancers and autism to the use of glyphosate. Wow. And it's just fascinating to me. And I have, you know, you know, I eat so healthy and mm -hmm. like I'm so committed to plant based living. But in the last couple years I've been you know been dealing with autoimmunity in different mm -hmm. ways and so I've just been really like how is this even happening like how is somebody that is like constantly on top of my health and thinking about my health and 
it's it's in you know someone said like it's literally has to be in our air it literally yes. has to be in our water and it is mm-hmm. and it's happening globally because we've shared this weed killer that you can just spray you know on anything and it'll keep your like cash crops alive and it'll kill the weeds but what it does is it gets into everything mm. and so i was just at, at, in one way it can be like a really depressing thing to listen to and to understand and to see kind of like where humanity is going. And this guy, initially he paints a picture that's like really dismal, like we're out of here in 60, 70 years left on the planet. And then in another way, because he's like one in three women have cancer, one in two men will have cancer. Like these kind of statistics that make you just be like, oh my God, like what are we doing, right? But then when you know you know, when you know what's actually happening, then you can change. You can change what's happening. You can start to create um, a demand for soil that doesn't have this poison in it. You can start to really demand that we buy local, that we invest in local farmers, that we get away from cash crops, that we pour our, our emphasis into the local organic heirloom world right like he gives a Hmm. lot of kind of the solution once you know really what the problem is and why we're all sick because we're we all are either sick or someone we love is very sick yes all of us Hmm. and and i'm constantly thinking about how to heal everybody around me from Mm -hmm. being sick, heal myself, you know, I've been really blessed to find a great naturopath that's like really helped me get myself away from the symptoms of autoimmunity and identify them and those things. But I'm like, how did I get, get here? Mm -hmm. I've been like juicing kale and eating sprouts for like, I mean, I eat French fries like anybody, you know, so maybe that way. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think they could do it by themselves though. French fries had to bring some buddies with them. But I'm not eating French fries and donuts and pizza every day. Like I'm really been rarely mm -mm, for like what? 13, 14, 15 years been super committed to having since you had cancer. Mm -hmm. I realized that's when, you know, I was in high school and I decided then that I wanted to know, how to be healthier you know I wanted to get in front of it you know me like I'm super like I'm gonna I'm gonna handle uh, cancer you you going down buddy like and so at 18 17 I started really becoming passionate about nutrition and health and then still ending up sick yes you know so for me it's been just incredibly empowering to find a resource an answer um a possibility of how we can all become healthier, how this world can be healthier, how this country can be healthier. And I realized I had a friend that has been doing this work. It's a lot about using like um, regenerative soil, regenerative um, ways of of eating. Mm -hmm. So not just, you know, organic, but regenerative. Like where are you planting? What soil are you using? What chemicals are you using? Because even organic things have chemicals, right? So, so we have to regenerate the soil. I have a really great friend, Jessica, who works for Kiss the Ground. She's a mom friend of mine. And I see her talking about soil and I, I see her talking about, you know, these concepts, but it didn't click for me. You know, when you're hanging out with kids, you're not really like, I'm like, <laughs> like I'm not really putting two and two together. And when I realized that I have this wonderful black woman who's in my life, who's doing this work, I got super hype, you know, and we'll link the work for Kiss the Ground here too. But 
yeah, y'all check that out. Check out the the microbiome. And now I'm all about like, okay, now that we know we got these poisons mm-hmm. in our guts and our microbiome, now we about to heal the microbiome. So I've been like reading book after book. I'll stay up and read a whole book. You know me. Yes, <laughs> I know. I love that about <laughs> I'll read a whole book about, you know, how to, because healing, healing the gut, often people are suggesting that you have bone broth and vegetables and meat and some fruit and that's not the way our family eats and so it takes a lot of research to kind of try to figure out like how can I heal all of our guts like any kind of like eczema or constipation Mm -hmm. or any of these things that are coming up that are like trouble sleeping or teeth grinding or all of these things that can come up with children that that can come up in, in my family and adults like these are all signs that there's something going on in that gut and like how to heal that without eating copious amounts of chicken and beef. Mm, and yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, no, no offense no to those offense eating to chicken it. and beef. Go ahead. Cluck on, <laughs> cluck on. <laughs> so that, that's what's on my heart. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What do you think, mm-hmm. Mom? Well, I love the energy that I perceive from... Just the name, kiss the ground. Yeah, right. It's like fall in love with Earth again. Mm-hmm. Stop objectifying her. Stop calling her the Earth. So we don't say the Mars or the Venus. <laughs> you know, start start really embracing her. Kiss her. And how can we how can we love Earth more? Because uh, without her, we we're nothing. It's true, and and that's one thing he was saying in that. In that talk, he was saying that, like, Mother Earth is trying to reach out to us. Like, if we just give a little bit to Mother Earth, she's constantly going to be given tenfold back. And that it became a really inspiring thing for me. Like, wow, like, how can I begin to... I was thinking, Mom, like, how do you write, like, songs about this? How do you create um, films about this that are narrative, not just documentary? Mm -hmm. Like, how do we put this into the culture? I'm always thinking as an artist, like... How do I put these ideas into our cultural work? Like, how do we approach and and teach this in a way that's also entertaining? You know. Mm -hmm. Well, one of the things that I can see, and this is from a couple of weeks of having to just veg and do something crazy, like watch television. (laughs) You know, (laughs) the things you don't do. I don't do yet. So. And one thing that I noticed is that there are these uh, lawsuits against Roundup. Yeah. Happening. There's so, someone that won. So there's awakening yeah. happening, $78 million worth of winning. Yes. So I think with this happening, I think there's going to be, I mean, when you start hitting people in the pocketbook and then right. when you find out that uh, that would be the wallet for those of who are a little bit younger. <laughs> your pocketbook. <laughs> hitting you in your pocketbook. This is chattling my mother. <laughs> But when you start hitting people in the finances, yeah. then, then things will change. So I think from many different perspectives, you know, I love the energy of Kiss the Earth. And I also love the energy of lawsuit against Roundup. You know? <laughs> so bring them both at the same, you know, coming from, from different perspectives and it's going to affect a change. And there are still places on Earth that do not allow the use of Roundup. It's true. So that lets you know that there are places that have already begun the process to regenerate mm-hmm. earth that they are are tilling and caring for in order to bring us food, you know. 
I feel so hopeful about it. Like when I heard that, I was just like, oh, great. There's a solution. Mm -hmm. There are folks that are awakened and all it takes is like spreading that around, getting that news out. One thing he said is like, yeah, even though organic isn't always organic, it's best to continue to buy that. So there's always showing in the market that there's a demand for clean food. Yeah. And people, want, I think we all want clean. Who wants poison? Exactly. <laughs> like, who really wants poison? Mm-hmm. Even the big box stores, and I won't mention any. Okay. But even they did not used to carry organic. No. And now they do. Yeah, they yeah. all do. So yeah. the demand makes it. So, mm-hmm. okay, y'all. So I asked my mom, Valimar, what she wanted to discuss today. And being that we're from a family of workaholics, she wanted to discuss grit. <laughs> now, I don't know if you know, I've been working on a project for a long time, a music project called Grit. It's something I've been like just slowly toiling along. I don't know if it's going to end up being called that in the end, but that's been the working title for quite some time. And grit is what we're here to talk about today. And um, what's the other thing? Growth mindset. Mm-hmm. Grit and growth mindset. So first let's talk about what grit is. What is grit? Well, one of the things that I grew up with is observing a mother who had it and I did not know what it was. Okay. But I know she had something that other people around us did not have, other mothers, mm. other because she was able to to persevere. She was able to to do things that other people weren't able mm-hmm. to do. Mm-hmm. And so I knew that there was something that she had. And I always wondered, you know, what, what what is it? What is it about my mother that's different from... And everybody thinks their mother is different. You know? Oh, no, she was really she different. Is- I mean, she used to tell me all the time, you would be a horrible slave. <laughs> <laughs> she said, you would be a horrible slave. And I would say, thank you. <laughs> Well, one of the things I loved about, okay, grit, what is it? It's the the passion and it's the perseverance that you have. It's like being a long distance runner and never even worrying about where the finish line is. Right. It's the drive, the motivation, the thing that pushes you forward. Right. Absolutely. And it's that passion that joie de vie, that that zest Hmm. for life that my mother had that always pushed her forward and excellent is good. Hmm. What's better than excellent? (laughs) (laughs) That was my my mother's like, well, that's excellent. Okay, well, that's good. Now what's next? Yeah, she was definitely the person to say, you got an A, why not an A plus? Mm Mm-hmm. Why not an A plus? And you got the A plus. Well, what's the extra credit? You know, <laughs> <laughs> you know. And so, and I love that, and the fact that, and I'm focusing a lot on my mother because she's the one who inspired me, and who planted whatever the seeds of grit. You know, I think it's good to focus on her. I think one of the things that you know, the African tradition is that if you don't continue to speak of your ancestors, they stop living. Yes. And we have to always say their names and we have to tell their stories, you know, and she is, you know, it's funny because we say a lot like the Lamar, that's you're a Lamar, <laughs> but she but she's not a Lamar. But the thing we're talking about so often is her. Right. You, right. you have that thing that makes you go. Right. Like, mm-hmm. do you think that I've had grit since I was little? Do you think I thought it would be a good thing to talk about? Because for me, I don't remember a time 
without um, the passion, right? So we're talking of like, I've always felt like I had passion, like I had focus and passion and drive to have like a focus on, like, you remember when I sold all my babys- Babysitter's Club books? Yes. Because you told me you weren't going to buy me any more books or something like that. Mm-hmm. You you said yes to every book, right? Like you <laughs> you said you would keep, my mom was a single mom, y'all. Like she had like three jobs and I just kept reading her out of house and home. <laughs> and finally she was like, no, like you, I, I bought so many books. Like, I'm sorry, I can't buy any. And I was like, hmm. I just gonna sell them. So then I went to the used bookstore <laughs> and sold all of my books and then had a pile of money and then just went and bought some more books. And then I realized I could just keep doing that and I didn't have to get in your pockets for my books. Right. I could get my own books. That's it. But I don't remember someone teaching me to be like that. I think it comes from observing it. You observe it, mm-hmm. but then... I think of my uh, siblings who might not have as much of it. Mm. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I think it it also comes with um, a decision. You make a decision that, hmm, I like, I want that. Mm. What she has, I want that. And I remember making that decision about my mother as a little kid. I mean, I was four. Mm. And I knew what my mother had. I want that. I want... I want that joy. She had joy. She had tenacity. She was always focused. She always had goals. Wait, she tells this story about you a lot to me, about you being on some news segment or something. Something on TV, singing. (laughs) You were really young. Because, okay, so I would always be complaining to my grandma about my mom. Like, I just need her to sit down and be with me and be a mom. And, like, I wanted her to be, like, a leave it to be for type mom. Or, like, like some sort of TV mom that's just, like, holding your hand and, you know, pouring tea and sitting down for lunch. And my mom was, like, my mom was in these streets. She was going. (laughs) She was getting it. Like, like, go get it. Like, that was, you're a, a super go-getter, and I never understood. And my grandma would always just say, her mom has been like this since she was a kid. And she would tell this story. Can you tell that story? When I was five, <laughs> <laughs> there was an audition for all the little kids to do a local television show. Okay. And I have been singing since I was four and a half. Okay, so, so it's been six by- months. And this was for older kids, but I was like, I want that part. So I went out for it. How did I, you find out about the talent show? Oh, they went to local churches. Okay. You know? And so I wanted it. I was too young for it, but I got it because I wanted it. And it was, a, it was <laughs> singing a song on local TV called That's What I Dreamed Last Night. It's about, <laughs> and I think it was about reaching your dreams, you know. Ah, the irony. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what? What? I dream I was in a rodeo. Do you know what? What? And I beat them to the pale. I won the prize and opened my eyes. That's what I dreamed last night. So I dream. <laughs> now they dressed me in a little cowgirl outfit. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So, and, so like, who? How did she respond when you got this audition and you and you got on TV? She made sure that I had the best looking cowgirl outfit possible because <laughs> that's my mama. She would sew everything. And um, she was very, I mean, she was, that wasn't, it's normal. Of course. Of course you're going to get the part. Of course you're going on TV. <laughs> At five years old. 
Where did you all live then? We lived in Alexandria, Louisiana. So you were on TV in Alexandria, in Louisiana. Alexandria. So did people recognize you when you went to school the next oh, day? Like, what? How was of it? Course. <laughs> I was a superstar <laughs> at church, especially. And can, this was in kindergarten. Mm-hmm. Oh, I didn't go. That I, I had to. They had to take me out of kindergarten. Wait, what do you mean? I don't know. Kindergarten was not for me. What do you mean? <laughs> Are you kidding? Sleeping and having snacks and singing the ABC song? That was so slow. Like, are you kidding me? That's like the slow lane traveling at 20 miles per hour. And, I, you know, I'd always I'd had a mother who was a teacher and a sister who's a year and, a, and six days older than I. So at kindergarten, I didn't need kindergarten. I already had it. So you went to first grade? I went to first grade. And then first grade, I was the teacher's helper. Teaching okay. all the kids what they needed to learn <laughs> in first so grade. So what happened when it was time for you to be in first grade? Did you skip? No, I just did not go to kindergarten. Okay. I went to first grade, but I was already ready for second grade. And because my sister was in second grade, they couldn't put me in second grade, too. So they just made me the teacher's helper <laughs> for first grade. <laughs> you remember me in kindergarten? I remember you in kindergarten. You know, kindergarten was for me. Uh-huh. So they put me on my own side table. <laughs> Where I got to um, write poetry. That's right. They had me memorize poems and write my own poetry. So they decided my 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 life goals before I even got there. It was so isolating. I couldn't Aww. stand kindergarten because everybody. I was like, I already know how to read. I know I already know how to write. I already know how to do all these math since you were three. Okay, y'all. The Bernstein Bears. Okay. And the spooky it's old getting, tree. It's getting. It's starting to get. <laughs> <laughs> Tangent. <laughs> no, it's fine. I'm saying it's starting to get like you know. Okay. Yeah, it, three, two and a half. Two and a half. Yes, you are. <laughs> well, I read that book, How to Teach Your Baby to Read. Is that what it was? Mm-hmm. It's interesting because okay, so speaking back to grit, right? So I remember in starting to teach my children you know, how pushed I was as a child. And I never thought about it as being pushed. I thought about it as normal. I thought about it as natural because my home was a home of a teacher. My grandma that we lived with was a teacher. You were teaching, like everybody was teaching me constantly. I was with all of these older people. And so I thought like education means like if you're three and you don't know how to read, there's something wrong with you. If you're, you know, these these concepts. And so I had to really reapproach what that meant after having my first child and starting to be exposed to. I mean, and I pushed him to learn Mm -hmm. how to read. I don't want to call it push because we made it so fun. But I know. But I started when you were six months. Yeah. I started teaching you to read at six months. Yeah. So by the time you were a year old, you knew how to read. Yeah. Basic stuff. Yeah. And when I started seeing that, like, there was a whole, like, Montessori world, a Waldorf world, like a Charlotte Mason world where children were allowed to just play and just be in their imaginations and explore who they were and that reading didn't need to happen before seven, like, that... I mean, that was what I decided to kind of do a blend of Mm -hmm. after the first baby was like a brainiac. And it just started being like his whole identity was about being smart and being ahead. And look, he can talk and he can read and he can do this. And I was like, "Mm, I remembered that about me, like that my identity was so wrapped up in my intelligence 
And I wanted him to have a well-rounded identity. I wanted him, my value became on what I could achieve, mm. you know? And, I, and this concept of having that drive and that grit and that ability to get through things and to succeed and to win, I wanted to approach it from a place that was less competitive. Okay. You know what I mean? Mm. And I started with the second child, just like being more open, like, when you tell me you want to know how to read, then we'll we'll do that, you know? Mm-hmm. And I didn't really teach him. He didn't really learn until he was you know, like four or mm-hmm. five or something. Like he knows well now, but I don't even know if it was something that he achieved. It was like, it was happening all around him a lot, you know? And, and then he just kind of got into it. Does that make sense? It does. You know, I never really felt a sense of competition, but... I see now, because my mother always instilled in me that I was competing against myself. Exactly. To be my greatest self. And so I think, uh, again, these lessons of what grit is, it's it's this passion and perseverance to achieve a long-term goal. And I can remember, even as a little wee one, my mother saying, well, what is it you want to be when you grow up? What are you going to do? Right. What are you going to do? And it was always about placing a goal. And now, even though, you know, those goals were, now I, I laugh at what I used to walk around saying because it made her just so puff out her chest and be so proud because I used to say, I'm going to be a neuroscience, <laughs> neurosurgeon. I'm going to be a neurosurgeon. You know, and I had to look it up to see what it was. <laughs> I'm going to be a neurosurgeon. So I went around for the first 12 13 years saying I was going to be a neurosurgeon. Wow. And it was my dr- drama teacher as a sophomore, no, as a freshman. I was a first year student um, at Santa Rita High School, Mrs. Husted. Hmm. She came to see me uh, compete in a, I was in a speech and debate team because I did a lot of things. I mean, I was always doing everything, student government, speech and debate, on the you know, the choir. You know, I was on like five or six different clubs and all that. She came to see me compete at a speech tournament, and then she pulled me aside and said, you know, I, you did really well in the interpretation of drama, interpretation of poetry. Would you like to audition? I really would need someone to play lead in the, the musical. Hmm. And so I said, okay. So I auditioned, and I got the part. Interesting. As a in Once Upon a Mattress, I played Winifred. <laughs> I swam the moat, you know. So after that experience, um, a lot of people were upset because I was a first year student getting a lead mm-hmm. in the musical. But anyway, she approached me and she said, "What are you going to be when you grow up?" And I said, "I'm going to be a neurosurgeon." <laughs> she said, "Hmm, okay." So she came to me a couple of weeks later. She said, "What are you going to be when you grow up again? Did you say you're going to be a neurosurgeon?" And I said, yes. And she said, I pulled your grades. <laughs> oh, oh, my God. You're not doing that great in biology. <laughs> and you're not doing that great in math. You're just like average. <laughs> and I said, yeah, well, I'm still going to be a neurosurgeon. I just have to work harder. <laughs> <laughs> and she said, you're not going to be a neurosurgeon. Hmm. And I said, no. She said, no. You're going to be a heart surgeon. Oh. And you're going to be a brain surgeon but you're going to do it from the stage. You're going to operate on people's hearts. You're going to operate on their minds through your dramatic performances on stage. She said, do you realize how fantastic you were in the play? 
You were so good that people who were angry that you got the lead, they realized, oh, you deserve the lead, and they just left you alone. Mm. She said, you're, you're going to operate on people, on their heart and their minds, mm. and you do it through dramatic art. Mm. It's so beautiful, Mom. Yeah. So, so beautiful. So even though I had this long-term goal that right. I was walking around saying, it's the truth. Hmm. It was still, you know, it, but I think what my mother instilled in me in terms of what grit is, is that everyone needs to have a long term goal. Hmm. And then you have short term goals that get you to it. So I have a question for you because I believe in like goal setting and I believe in like having this determination, but you know, we talk here about joy and pleasure. Mm -hmm. And I often wonder, because you said you weren't competing against anyone else. I never feel like I'm competing with anyone else. It's really rare. Mm -hmm. When I feel a competitive energy with someone, I actually talk about it with them. Like, hey, I want to talk about this with you. I feel really competitive with you. I don't know where it's coming from. I don't know if I felt jealous of you. It's it's uncomfortable conversations (laughs) sometimes. Not bad. But I like to... But I like to really like get dig into it because I don't feel it that often. I feel very like community oriented, Mm -hmm. but I'm constantly competing with myself. I'm constantly competing with where I think I should be. At what age did I feel like I should be at X, Y, Z at at this particular place? Mm -hmm. Like that is, you know, I got to get up and I'm determined, you know, one of the things that has been, um, I didn't have much regrets since mom passed, except for she didn't get to see me reach this goal. She's still well though. But you know what I'm saying? I like, do. why? Why is she, she got to see me be be kind? She got to see me be compassionate. She got to see all of the people that I love and all the people who love me on planet Earth. She got to see you have an incredible committed relationship. And she got the same mother. But but what I'm saying is when we're talking about grit, when we're talking about, you know, resilience, the ability to keep going and all mm-hmm. of these things, when we're talking about drive and passion and perseverance, no guts, no glory, like these these things that are really driving us to accomplish these goals. Are we saying I have grit to get through a rocky part of my marriage? Mm-hmm. I have grit to get through to bedtime because my children are driving me up the wall. I have grit to have this really uncomfortable conversation with a boss. You know what I'm saying? Are we talking about the things that are living in our emotional world that will bring us more joy, more pleasure? Or are are we speaking about, I'm here to accomplish a goal. Are we speaking about capitalism oh no no not at all because but mm-hmm. i feel like sometimes we are is yeah, what, I, what i'm saying right. like yeah. like what i'm saying is like yeah i want to be this thing i want to do this thing i want to have this thing happen and this is i have the grit and the determination to make sure this happens like you know i first started kind of thinking about grit from that youtube video mm-hmm. or ted talks video that went viral right mm-hmm. and she was talking about it in terms of like people in test scores yeah. and going to college. And this is because she's a scientist, so they have to have empirical ways to, you know, empirical data to, to so we're ta- But we're talking about achievement. Mm-hmm. 
So when we're talking about grit, often the conversation is about achievement. And I've been thinking about how do you have, Noni, how do you have the grit to get up even though your heart feels broken and to continue to live your day and to love the people around you, not to go to work to make money or not to write a script or to have a meeting with these producers, but just to get up and be kind Mm -hmm. and to get up and be patient Mm -hmm. and to get up and you know what I'm saying? Like, how do we talk about grit from that point of view? Yeah. And I think, um, like with my mom, okay. From observing her, it's, and now what? And now what? You know, so you get something that you did not want in, in, as an obstacle that stands in your way, like sorrow. Hmm. Oh, so you look at sorrow and you say, and now what? Hmm. You know, so it's, it's kind of the passion that's inside of you to look at whatever is the obstacle or whatever is in your way of it. And I think the, the primary goal, and I could see this now that my mother's gone into the light, the primary goal of pushing us to have goals, have long-term goals, is really to discover who you are and what's your purpose. Mm. You know, And it wasn't so much, what are you going to be when you grow up? That's how it came out. But it was more like, what's your purpose? What, what, do you, what fulfills you? What gives you passion? What makes you joyful? Yeah, what are you here to do? Yes. What work are you here to accomplish? What what are, how are you going to make the, the make earth and and the living here on earth better? How so, mom? What are you here to do? Oh, man. It's um knowing when I stepped from behind the podium and went and stood by her coffin, her casket. And lifted my arms and brought everybody in and we're all singing together how great thou art. That's fulfilling my purpose. Mm. It's, it's lifting, it's getting people to, to, to praise mm. life, living, joy, love, you know, all together, we ascend together. You know, our voices go up together. We lift our eyes up together. We lift our hands up together. We sing together. We dance. Hmm. You know, it's leading people in the dance of life, leading people in the joy and the love and the gratitude. Hmm. It's being life's earth's cheerleader. <laughs> you know, I know I used to be jealous of my sister because she was so, oh, Tina was one of the best cheerleaders ever. <laughs> you know, she had the extension that went behind your back. And you she know? had a big afro. Oh, she had the biggest afro and was <laughs> the only African-American on the, you know, so I was so proud of her. But then I realized I'm a cheerleader. I didn't have to be jealous of my sister being a cheerleader. Mm. I'm a cheerleader for earth. I'm a cheerleader for joy. I'm a cheerleader for love, for gratitude. I'm here to to increase it, to to get people to stand up and to be filled with joy 
to be filled with love and gratitude and song and dance. So I didn't, you didn't actually answer. or I didn't let you answer when okay. I said about me as a child. Did you feel like I had that at the beginning? Do you feel like what you see me doing now? Like, what do you see when, when you look at what I'm doing and who I was as a child? How do you see my purpose evolving? I think you came to earth with it intact. And then everything that nurtured it helps to refine it. With what intact? With your purpose. What do you see it as? Your purpose? I don't know. What do you see it as? I want to know what you think. I know my purpose. I want to know what my mom thinks. I never asked you. I know you never asked me. Mm -mm. What What do you witness? I witness how your words and the power of your words can actually transform. Transform hearts transform thinking and I believe they're going to transform life on earth itself yeah when I define my purpose of what I'm here to do is to shift the frequency of the planet into a frequency of love it's the same thing yep transform so when I was a little child though did I have did I exhibit those qualities did I exhibit qualities of grit was it something that I had to learn, do you think? Because there's like this theory that some people believe that grit, you either have it or you don't, right? I think you can develop it. And there are ways to develop it. Um, and I believe you're born with it. Like with anything, there there's certain people. I mean, when you think of Michael Jordan, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, he could have been born with a natural proclivity to to do what he did, but it it took some training. Yeah, it took time. You build your muscle. Yes, yes. So I think the same thing. I mean, it. He was born to walk on air, right? Yet he had to grow into that. Mm-hmm. You know, when he was six months old, he wasn't doing a jump shot walking, walking on air. I mean, because when I think back to being a child, I was crying all the time. It doesn't sound very you gritty. Crying <laughs> all the time. You were a crybaby. Yeah, I was. I was mm-hmm. always crying. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm thinking when I look back on it now, perhaps it was not so much your individual circumstances, but your inability to understand the empathy that you have for sure and you're you're super empathic so perhaps you were channeling you know yeah the the what you were feeling all around you you notice i don't cry all the time Mm. anymore no no. especially since i stopped started having children (laughs) you let them do it (laughs) like we can't all cry we can't all cry all the time I, i i i really want people to know that there's a difference between grit and resilience. So I want to talk about that for a minute. Okay. So so resilience is the ability to get back up after you have been knocked down or to come back fighting stronger after a loss, right? I think that that's what I'm observing around me right now. I mean, it's a great loss and we are we all have a great amount of resilience as a family mm-hmm. because we're all boom, we're back, we're Dealing with it, you know, we're connecting as family, we're bouncing back. And I, I think it's important to say that um, our, our matriarch died suddenly. Yes. That's why it's such a blow for all of us. Because she was the healthiest person on the planet, right? So yes. even her doctor was shocked, <laughs> right? So yeah. for us, 
we expected like an illness to slowly debilitate her. We're like, we were already planning. My sister and I were already in the initial stages of the 90 year old birthday party, a big celebration and heading to 100, you know, because that's in her blood that people live to be in their hundreds. So we were already kind of planning that. So that sudden thing, which was even just like a fluke kind of heart thing that happened to her, like that really activated a shock within us. But I hear what you're saying. It created, we all are resilient enough to have been like, we're shocked, but we're not falling down. Right, right. Mm -hmm. And yet that's, resilience is, is, um, how we approach the the things that are in the temporal, okay, the temporary category, okay. Not that the death of someone is a temporary thing because they're dead forever, right? You know, until what well, depends on your beliefs, but I won't go into that. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> so it depends on what you believe, but it it's those those things that on a daily basis that get you get in your way, that cause you a loss, that you get up. You know, there's some people who they lose a parent and they go into a deep depression for a year or two. Yeah. And they they don't bounce back. And I think resilience is that bounce back factor. Right. You know, how well you bounce back. And yet grit is that grind, you know. Yeah. That that goes over a long period of time. Can you sustain it? It's the difference between being a sprinter and a long distance runner. Grit is that long distance runner. And I think like after sometimes after a lifetime of being resilient and having to constantly bounce back, being black in America, oh boy. being black in the world, like being brown, being a woman, being queer, being a marginalized person in any way, it's you have to develop grit. You have to, you know. You have to develop, if you're living in poverty, like you cannot, you know the things you can do and the things you cannot do. You have to make ends meet. You have to get up. You have to do this. You know that you have to get it done, right? And I think about that all the time. Like I look around like, dang, like how are women before me? It's usually for me like cleaning up. Like Mm -hmm. how are they able (laughs) to clean up constantly? Mm -hmm. Like that's where I got to develop my grit. Like, So let me tell you one of my theories. Okay. Okay. To always operate out of a sense of gratitude. Mm-hmm. You know, like just let's just planning for Gigi's celebration, you know, mm-hmm. and going into the light. Being grateful at every moment like, "Oh my gosh, there are all these people sending flowers. Oh my, I'm so grateful to them." Oh, and so I continually Opera and look at how beautiful and she loved flowers. Oh, it bring her such joy. It's bringing her joy right now. She's in the light. She can see all these flowers, you know. So, it's changing the way that I think about the process of these of loss, you know, because you know whatever that temporal thing that's in the way that's blocking that's trying to block my joy, right? And it's being grateful, even in the the. Um, the tragedy, being grateful, even in the the challenge, yeah. Being, how can I find? Where's the? I, like people accuse me of sucking the joy. I, I'll suck if I, there's any joy to be found. I'm gonna suck it right out of whatever the tragedy is and say, <laughs> "Here's the joy." You know, that the idea that 
I walk away from her celebration of life and legacy. And the thing I remember, one of the things I remember most are the dancers yeah. who came and they were my friends who said, you know, is there anything we can do for your mother's I mean, celebration? I y'all, <laughs> these dancers, they put it down. I mean, honestly, the funeral was the happiest day I've had since she died. Yes. Yes. It was so joyful. It was. And that's just it. That's, that's what. So how do you have grit? How do you, how do you develop grit? You develop the, the um, ability to walk in gratitude mm. no matter what the circumstance. And when you walk in gratitude, it brings you joy. Mm. So even at my mother's celebration, the funeral, I could find joy. Right. I could, even though I'm crying and because I am sorrowful, I'm going to miss her. Uh, I'm going to, you know, even now I... I woke up the, a, a couple of mornings ago and I was like, well, let me call my, mm, I can't call her. You know, it's that, <laughs> that initial thought, like, because a lot of times I would call her from the road when I woke up in the morning mm. and um, to know that I can't do that. I, I Sometimes I just wanted to be the first voice she hears other than her husband. I wanted to be the first <laughs> voice that she hears. And so I would call her early in the morning. So the to find joy. So what can you find joy in? So when whatever the circumstance that tries to cause you not to bounce back, look for the joy. What what can you find in that situation of challenge? And remember all of the problems that we deal with, all of the things that try to suck the joy out of our lives, um, they're just temporary. It's only going to last for a fleeting moment. The thing that lasts forever are things like gratitude, mm. it, it, the vibrations of it. It lasts forever mm. and it keeps coming back. It ripples back, mm. you know, so that vibration lasts forever. Love, mm. you know, all of those things mm. that like that mm-hmm. um, meekness, mm. um, uh, gentleness, mm. that, ha- that has a great rhythm and it ver- reverberates the vibrations of gentleness, you know. Ten- you know, the word that's been with me is tenderness. Tenderness, yeah. Like this, this feeling of... Um, tenderness like how not I think often how to be more tender but feeling the gratitude for the tenderness that has been expressed toward me recently yeah that tenderness that folks I mean and from people that are normally so hard (laughs) but so tender like even my dad I told my dad about Gigi and this, you know, my dad's basically like a narcissist. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. I, I thought he would not even. And he said, I'm so sorry to hear that. Are you okay? Are you okay, baby? Are you all right? How's your mom? How's her husband? Yeah. How's everybody taking it? For one time in my entire <laughs> life, he didn't make it about him. Mm. And I was like, oh, my God. She was so kind to him. Uh, my mother was so kind to him. And and when we were going through the divorce process, mm-hmm. she said something I will always remember. She said, remember, your daughter is half you and half him. So whenever you say anything negative about him, you're talking about her. Hmm. You're talking about half of who she is. You never said anything negative about him. That's because my mother taught me that. Hmm. And he realizes that too, that she was always kind to him and loving Hmm. because he was the father of her granddaughter. Hmm. 
It's beautiful. Mm-hmm. It reminds me of Chris Kardashian. <laughs> it doesn't remind me of that, but that's okay. <laughs> you, you, you take it anyway. I mean, you want. I'm saying Chris really loves Kanye. Mm-hmm. Chris loves all of the baby daddies yeah. and the husbands, the many husbands and baby daddies that come through. <laughs> she treats them all like her own. Never says an ill word about them. That's half of her grandbabies. Yeah. yeah. She, she really Scott. She loves Scott. <laughs> you watch the Kardashians, Paul? I do not. <laughs> <laughs> Good for you. You watch the news. I watch, I watch the, the news. I watch the Kardashians. <laughs> but I wanted to talk about growth mindset before we end because mm-hmm. this is something that I'm trying to instill in my, you know, my firstborn, your grandchild, your mm-hmm. grandson. The feeling of, um, you know, because okay. So what I've learned is that when you're teaching children, you're supposed to teach them. Praise them on like their efforts and what they are doing, not who they are. Like everyone saying to me my whole life, you're so smart. You're so intelligent. Oh, my God. You're so this, that. When I didn't win at being intelligent, I wanted to give up. Like mm. this is so difficult. It's supposed to come easy to me because I'm supposed to be this this extremely <laughs> smart person. Right? right. But this isn't coming easy to me. Like. Calculus. Calculus was very hard for me. Other Geometry was very hard for me. But the other math stuff wasn't. You know, algebra, I I was a whiz there. But when I got to calculus, I was just like, I thought I was smart. And I'm not, you know. But growth growth mindset is saying, wow, you really made an effort with this test. Look at all of these, these problems that you did correctly. I see that you made a mistake here and you're able to really try again. And they say that. Even if you're not born with a lot of grit, having a growth mindset builds there you go. that grit. Having a growth mindset builds, if, and it's like a focus on your language, like how you talk about it and surrounding yourself with people that persevere and are, are also pretty gritty, that, that changes the way that you're looking at things, right? Mm-hmm. Adopting um, flexible thinking patterns. Now that's you know, flexible and mean are not necessarily... <laughs> Friends. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think about that part, adopting flexible thinking patterns? Well, I want to address the first one. Okay. Um, the first one for me is, okay, perhaps like with calculus, I was horrible at calculus. Um, I was horrible at algebra. And then it was explained to me, um, Dr. Prakash, I will always remember him, he explained to me that Calculus is because I, I I think it was because I couldn't understand what is it supposed to achieve in my life. You know <laughs> what 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 is it supposed to help me to do? What how can I use this tool? Right. And I was not convinced that I would ever use calculus in my lifetime. Have you? <laughs> Let me tell you what Dr. Prakash said. Okay. Calculus is designed to increase the power of your brain the thinking ability of your brain. That's all it's the design for. Mm. And so once you let someone know that, it's like, oh, it's to make my brain stronger. It's exercise for the brain. Okay, that's very different. So that whole thing about um, uh, achievement and basing your, your mindset, the way public schools are designed right now, it's you get an A, which means... 
you you excellent. You did, you did the job. You did the job. B above average. C average. D below average. F you failed. Right. And instead, I like that this the teaching on growth mindset that it's not yet. Hmm. Yeah, this was good. Not yet. Good effort. You haven't got there yet because when you say I haven't got there yet, it means oh. I'm I'll, going to get there. I'll eventually get there. I'll eventually get there. Yes. Now, there are people who have cognitive challenges, like my brother Eric. Mm. He has cognitive challenges. He has Down syndrome. There's going to be only a certain place he can get to. His yet is going to be different. His yet is different. Mm-hmm. But when there are other people, you know, people who do not have those challenges, you, you know that, okay, I might not get calculus right now, mm-hmm. but I will get it. And also, I might get part of it. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I might get part of it. I heard someone say today, like, you don't owe anybody achievement. Oh, I you love know? that. I you love don't that. owe anybody achievement. You're, you being a human being is not synonymous with you achieving any goal. Yes. You, it, well, I, I don't agree with that. Okay, well, what's the goal? To learn to be grateful. To learn love. To learn to share love. But not everybody's here for that. Oh, I hope so. No, not everyone. Then where, then where would be the balance? I want everybody to learn gratitude. Sure, but not everybody's here for that. This is, this is, oh. I mean, not now. Like if we, if we get out of the law of cause and effect, if we ascend beyond this realm, right? Which some people believe that we are doing. Mm-hmm. If we ascend beyond cause and effect, shadow and light. If we, if we get out, if we step out of the side of the concept of duality, mm-hmm. yes. Okay. We can all be in that oneness, right? I mean, this is what I think. I'm not saying it's the truth. Mm-hmm. It's mine. But to me... I celebrate the people that, I mean, there are some people that I encounter that are just so mean and so petty and so rude. And I'm like, what's up? Yes, do that. Do that shadow. Live out that shadow life. Live, go ahead, 45, Donald Trump, do your thing, dog. Like, do you. Because I'm over here doing this. Like, we're living in duality. Do I believe that we are constantly need to live in this place? No. But those people live there, and I don't believe everybody needs to be where I'm at. That might not be their turn here. Like, your purpose here in life may not only be for good, so-called, quote, good, Hmm. or so-called, quote, evil, right? That's assuming that everyone needs to be on this one way of of living one way of thinking and to me once once i started kind of like stepping outside of this thought that we all need to be christ-like i've got so much freedom to allow people to be who they are Hmm. where they are and to be because who am i to say what your purpose is i don't know who, who am I to say that I want you to be grateful and you to live in love? I'm just here to spread the love, to change the frequency of earth. That's, that's what I'm here to do. And if that's something that you're choosing to, to do with me, cool. But if that's not something that's your choice, then do what feels good to you. It feels good to some people to be cruel. It does. I've met those people. Hmm. And I wouldn't want them to be something that, I mean, it, I mean, honestly, it feels good to some people to be mean to other people, to watch people squirm. Some people get off on that stuff. And I'm like, 
do you see what I'm saying? Well, I'm like, who am I to, to tell that person I want them to, to shift, to change? I won't tell them that, but I work toward oneness where we are all one. And I don't want to be one with the shadow. Like, no, you can get have that shadow over there. I don't want to be one with that. Oh, we got to do an episode on the shadow. Because mm-hmm. I think I think we live in the light once we embrace the shadow self. Oh. Once we embrace the shadow and accept it. I accept them. Okay. I, But I want to be one with those who choose the light. I, I prefer to be one. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> I mean, people out here living in, in, in shadow. And that's cool. Happy over there. I don't know if that's cool. But it's cool with them. It's cool with them. I work toward oneness. Okay. And I prefer to be one with the light. <laughs> that's all. I'm, that's my story, and I'm sticking to it. Ah, it's a, it's an interesting concept. Mm-hmm. If one day we will achieve oneness, what will that oneness look like? Will that oneness have shadow? Earth does. But are we achieving oneness? On Earth, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, poop stinks. Will we get to a point where we do not have to poop ever again? <laughs> but do you know what I'm trying to say? Like to live in the human experience is to exp- like what the Buddhists say, right? To accept that this is suffering. Yes. Okay. I I work toward shedding the human experience. Okay. Okay. You go on and shed it, mama. <laughs> shed your human experience. Yes. Ascend. We will ascend. We'll ascend. We'll, these carnal packages, these dirt suits will fall away. Well, part, part of the purpose that I know I'm here is, is what you said earlier about being a heart surgeon. I've been saying for many years now that I'm here for the heartbroken mm-hmm. and to help them heal that. So when we started this podcast, I wanted it to be just like all joy and pleasure all the time. And Thea said, that's not realistic. We have to walk through the fire. We have to deal with our shadows. We have to deal with our pain and our trauma in order to get to the other side of joy and pleasure. We can do both. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I think that that's what I'm saying. Like, you know, every, everybody's not going to be in the light. There are going to be those that are brokenhearted and like, I'm here for them too. Mm. I'm here for the petty people. I'm, I'm here for, I'm here for the, I'm here for the people that are living in the shadows. I'm here for the people that are rejecting me. I'm here. I'm, and, and maybe that's from growing up with a Christ-like mentality. Like I'm, I'm here for the people that aren't even here for me. I'm here for you too. Mm-hmm. You know? And I don't feel like I need to change you to love you and exhibit a frequency of love toward you. You may never change. I'm not banking my life on your transformation. Right. I'm just here to, to work toward your transformation. I'm just here to to put out that frequency. Mm-hmm. I'm here to lift the frequency around me. If you catch the spirit around here, then you know, welcome to the party. But I'm not waiting for that. I'm not saving anybody. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Anyways, is there anything else you wanted to say before oh, we end? Yeah, I I feel. Being a cheerleader, I'm not here to save you. I'm here to cheerlead you. I'm here to cheerlead. <laughs> <laughs> I'm here to get you to stand on your feet and feel gratitude and sing and dance and mm. love, mm. you know, 
Yeah, absolutely. So what you do after you leave, you can go back to your shadow. That's on you. <laughs> you know? Wonderful, um, wonderful. Yeah. Where, do you have any last words from the heart that you want to share? Yeah. You look at each day for me and that you think about what, what fruit what fruit am I bringing to earth today? What fruit did I bring? You know, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. I'm still working on that. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm, I'm looking at that and I'm saying, okay, when I think about this past couple of weeks and my mother's going into the light and the family coming together and I look at everyone's lives as we can connect with each other and we meet up and we and you see that the fruit that we bear is fruit that is not based on economics mm. you know mm-hmm. doesn't matter where you are even in the socio-economic realm in stratification where you feel you are my upper class and my lower class am I do I do I have achieved that I achieved this do I have enough education it that all of that fell to the wayside Mm -hmm. and so my last thought is the fruit that we produce is can be produced no matter who you are no matter how much money you do or do not have no matter how much social position you do or do not have, no matter what job you do not do or do not have, the fruit you can produce in your life is the, that intangible fruit that is the only real thing. Hmm. I know it sounds, that's a, a contradiction. It's intangible, yet it's the only real thing that you pass on. And the greatest is love. Absolutely. I, I was really... What you're saying, being around every, I have 15 cousins or something like that, 15, 16, I don't know. And being around everybody, I could feel that we all existed in her uterus because she had to make y'all and y'all had to, you know, all the women, she had to make your eggs. So I was in her body at some point as an ovary, as an ovum, right? And so she had to create us in some way, each and every one of us. We existed in her in some way. And we all were carrying around that part of her that was just so full of love. Yeah. That unconditional love that will love you how you need to be loved, as someone said. Like, love you exactly how you need at this moment. And that that feeling of love for all of my cousins and feeling loved back, feeling held and cared for, uh, it felt like I was like back in in the light. Mm -hmm. That feeling I remember feeling as a baby. That's how I felt with our entire family together. That kind of immeasurable, unstoppable love, right? Yeah. Um, my, My, um, my my grit my grit words are if you hear no you're talking to the wrong person <laughs> that's normally what i what i think to myself 
when I'm out here trying to accomplish something, I'm like, ah, you're talking to the wrong person. And the other thing that I think all the time is um, all limits are self-imposed. I've been telling that to myself since I was like 16 or 17 years old. All limits are self-imposed. Anything, any limit you feel that you have, even if, you know, and, I, and, I, and I'm going to go back to this, that we think it, the limits or the achievement is all about the material success, but I'm talking about the limits on my joy, the limits on my happiness, the limits on my healing, when I'm feeling sorrow, I've been feeling heartbreak and sorrow, but that's a limit I've imposed on myself hmm. that I can feel my sorrow right now in this moment and I can have another moment of feeling something else, mm-hmm. you know, and I can have another moment of feeling something else and I can come back to my, my sorrow and feel that again and I can have another moment of feeling something else. I'm not going to put any limit on myself of, how I'm supposed to feel right now and how it's supposed to look and how other people are supposed to see me. Anything, I don't need to perform anything. Mm -hmm. I don't need to put put any kind of imposition on myself of what my feelings should be. There's no limit to this. I have to give myself the full permission to feel it all. Can I say one other thing? Please. One thing that I wanted to make sure to say that I forgot, hmm. become self-validating. Okay. Validate yourself. Get yourself a stamp if you need to it. Now, you really, your name is Val. <laughs> I know. <laughs> you be I validating. You be va- I've never thought about <laughs> you, that. You be validating yourself. <laughs> you got that Leo rising hey, strong. Every since I was a child, I did not need anyone to validate me hmm. because my mother told me, Go, do, be, whoever you want. There are no limits. And I believed her. Yeah, you never have been one waiting for someone to tell you you did a good job. Nope. You say you did a good job. Mm-hmm. Val, a date myself. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Mama. I love you so much. Come you. back and talk with me and Thea another time, okay? I'd love to. I'd love to. Thank you for having me this time. It's been an immense joy and a pleasure. And where, if if people want to find you, they can find you on, I want to be on these social networks, y'all. Find <laughs> at Valamar Jansen on Twitter, <laughs> on Instagram, on Facebook, ValamarJansen.com. Valamar.com. Valamar.com. That's V-A-L-L-I-M-A-R, Valamar.com. Rhymes with buy a car. Valamar. And you can go on her band camp. You can listen to her music. She, she, she's bomb. You're a really great singer. Very talented woman. Thanks, Mom. Thanks, y'all. <laughs>